electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Pay America. I'll be one of my friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, and put in context. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Who gets the benefit of the doubt? That's what it comes down to every earnings season, this one more than most. When you look at today's action, wow, Dow gained 316 points, S&P up, up 0.93%, NASDAQ, NASDAQ up 1.19%, and fantastic breath, by the way. Well, the losers are the companies Wall Street has lost its faith in for whatever reason. Exhibit A, Netflix. Last night, they reported an extremely disappointing subscriber number, uh, and then they gave me more discouraging outlook about the future. My so hot quarter, ugly guidance. Sell, sell, sell. So, of course, the stock got hammered down more than 7% today. But you know what? I'm taking the other side of the trade here. I think the people who dump Netflix are missing something big. You can't make up your mind about this stock until you read management's letter and to the shareholders, and then you've got to watch the video question and answer. Not read the transcript. Watch the video. Every quarter, CEO Reed Hastings picks a new inquisitor to handle the questions. This time it was Niti Gupta, and she's an analyst from Fidelity, real smart, who wasted no time grilling management about why their numbers came in so much weaker than expected. When most companies drop the ball, you have to expect a certain amount of obfuscation, excuse-making. <laughs> Not Netflix. Netflix is run by some real straight shooters. Spencer Newman, the CFO, immediately stepped up and told us the last thing we wanted to hear. They're seeing a slowdown because of the huge pull forward in 2020 caused by COVID. Instant buzzkill. That meant, you know, as the pandemic winds down, you could be stuck with one very overvalued stock. And that is why a lot of people sold. Going forward, obviously, things can't possibly be as good, right? But before you give up on Netflix, and I'm pretty much alone in the media about this one, but I don't care. Let me, before you give up, let me ask you something. After so many years of outperformance, haven't these guys earned the benefit 
of your doubt? Newman immediately followed up by saying, the key is the business remains healthy. Our engagement, our viewing per household was up year over year in Q1. Our churn was down year over year, and we're still growing. Churn down. How, how can the product be bad if the churn's going down? To me, that says, please don't panic. Even as the pandemic's winding down here in the U.S., the rest of the world has been much slower to vaccinate. New infections are exploding. India looks like it's headed back into lockdown. And Netflix does a ton of business overseas. It is a global company, people. I think the find a way to jumpstart new signups with must-see content, whether they create create themselves or have licensed it from someone else. In other words, I am giving Netflix credit for something that doesn't exist yet, something that will make us feel compelled to subscribe despite all the competition from HBO or Disney Plus or NBC's Peacock, not to mention all the digital competition from YouTube, which they called out as being real a real competitor. We know that COVID made it extremely difficult to film potential hits. Hits like uh, Lupin, the terrific French thriller that I watched twice. I should have used the titles. I would have only had to watch it once. Now, what about the argument that Netflix growth is peaking now that it has 200 million subscribers? Well, I got to tell you, I believe Reed Hastings when he says, outside of China, I think pay television peaked at about 800 million households. So lots of room. And that was several years ago that it peaked. Lots of room to grow. I believe him. Why not? How have you done if you believe in this man? If the incredible performance this company's given us over the years, you've got to remember that doubting Netflix has been a mistake every step of the way. They didn't get to be in the end. They were not the end in Fang for nothing. I created Fang, so that's my own hubris there. Uh, these companies are all moving targets. That's right. The companies that are in Fang never stop innovating, which is why it drives me crazy. There were two shows today that pronounced it dead. Three articles I read that pronounced it dead. And you know what? I mean, is it really dead when I tell you this? Amazon. You wake up this morning and you find out that Amazon is going to eliminate the credit card when you buy something at Whole Foods. No need for cash. No need to punch in your pin. They just need your palm. You can scan it, and you're out of there. And by the way, in an era of COVID, I don't mind not touching that pin pad. That's got to be one of the worst areas in the whole. That and the top, this. Here's the the pin pad and this. When you touch this thing, those are the two places I don't want to be. Yesterday, there was no end in sight to the throughput problem at Whole Foods. It takes too long to ring up all the register. you got a costume bottleneck. Bam! Today, you're using your palm to get out of the store. I think the novelty alone will draw people into Whole Foods. I like Whole Foods. And an asset that Amazon's actually done a pretty bad job monetizing, uh, I think they're finally getting their act together. All right, so how about the second A in Fang? How about Apple? All right, let's talk about Apple for a second. Another one everyone's written off, right? There are so many cynics on Wall Street who couldn't care less about Apple's non-phone new products. They don't believe anything can possibly move the needle but not Katie Huberty, the Cracker Jack tech analyst at Morgan Stanley. I consider her what we call the axe in Apple. Meaning of all experts, she's got the best handle on the stock. Huberty's talking about significant upside versus the consensus estimates for the Mac and the iPad business with new products that could become the gold standard for the new hybrid workforce. The rise of remote work is a hidden entrance Trojan horse, if you will, that gets the Mac back into the workplace. For, t- for the first time in ages, Apple's a serious threat to Dell and HP because people are spending so much time at home. People who use their home, their products at home will push their employers to support Apple's hardware. The big knock against Apple, which Goldman Sachs just reiterated in its, in its uh, sell call today, is the one-off nature of consumer technology. The enterprise business is a lot stickier, but if Uberty's right, and it's been a long time since she wasn't, 
then you have to fit your app will get a larger piece of the enterprise pie. Imagine if you're using an Apple at home and a Windows PC at work, which is what I do, and suddenly you're allowed to pick your machine of choice. How much more business could that be for Apple? If these new devices take off, Uber says it could significantly bolster Apple's bottom line. MacBus is accounting for 15 to 20 percent of revenue by 2025. I mean, that's more than enough to move the needle. Cynics, listen up. Go read Katie. Now, for years, Apple's been dismissed as a one trick pony. But think about what happens when rapidly growing revenue streams for cell phones, wearables, computers and, of course, the service business take off. I mean, that makes for a very, very compelling mosaic. It will not just be this, okay? It will be all sorts of things, which is why its price earnings multiple will continue to go higher. Okay, what about Facebook? Right at this moment, the social media kingpin is not giving us anything incredible. Although I think that they should get more credit for the small business initiative, even if they've dropped the ball more than a few times on that one. At the end of the day, Facebook's a great company with less than stellar PR. Finally, the last fang component, Alphabet, the artist formerly known as Google. Right now, people are hung up on the sum of the parts, SOTP valuation. The search business is exploding with new revenue because of the travel industry's advertising in. YouTube's roaring. And then you got Waymo, self-driving car division, a bunch of smaller businesses that would be a big deal at any other company. It is a silly parlor game to play the breakup story. The stock's up 30% this year. Who needs to break the darn thing up? Now, I know Fang hasn't kept pace this year. <laughs> Aside from Alphabet, these are widely viewed as stay-at-home stocks in a market that only has eyes for the great reopening plays. You know I'm a big believer in the reopening thesis. I wouldn't be having so many sickles on if I weren't. I hate to fight the tape, but Frank, I'm going to make an exception. These companies are constantly reinventing whatever the matrix of life demands. I laugh when I hear Fang is dead. Why? Because the bottom line is that unlike virtually any other companies in the world, the Fang name should get the benefit of your doubt. After all, they've earned it. Let's go to Connor in Ohio, please. Connor! Hey, Jim. Uh, thanks for taking my call today. I've been listening since I was about 15, and 10 years later can uh, finally thank you for all you do. Um, but wanted to get your thoughts on the AFRI-Tillery merger and your thoughts on how U.S.-based legalization will impact Canadian-based companies. Okay, well, look, um, you, you know that, uh, that AFRIA doesn't seem to want to go down. Uh, that's Erwin Simon, and he's done a very good job. And if you want, you know, look, it's an uncomplicated story. And Erwin made us a lot of money before things, uh, you know, kind of went wrong. Remember, they did go wrong at at uh, at Hain. But I, I like Canopy. I like Canopy because you got this call on it, and I happen to think the world of David Klein and the people who run Canopy. Can I go to, huh, Trenton in Nebraska, Trenton? Hi, Jim. How are you? Well, what Trenton takes, they make in Nebraska. What's going on? <laughs> I'm good. I'm a 20-year-old investor, and I've been investing and watching your show for about a year. Excellent. Um, and so my question, yeah, my question for you is Beyond Meat. I bought in at 165 because I knew you liked it, and they had been signing some deals with, like, KFC, McDonald's, and Taco Bell. But now I'm down about 20% from that. So what do you think I should do in my situation? I think you just hold it. Here's why. I think that when they reopen food service, which they have not that much, that's going to help Beyond. I also think that I have to remind people that people buy Beyond Meat not just because it tastes good and is vegetarian, but because it doesn't have GMOs. GMOs, which is what Impossible has. And that makes it impossible, impossible for my family to buy. 
Look, I know Fang hasn't kept up its momentum this year. I get that. But it, it, when you give it a break, it hasn't lost its bite. Unlike many other companies, these companies deserve the benefit of the debt. Well, we have money tonight. Collecting mountains of information about customer habits, employee satisfaction, market climate is good. Uh, you know what that goes? That's Qualtrics, which is forging a new path. You've got to hear this one. It's the last cheap stock when it comes to customer retention, customer management. I'm going to sit down with the top brass after earnings, which were stellar to find out. Then after the close last night, Marvell announces close of a major acquisition. I've got the exclusive with the CEO. Anything chips is hot, so you got to pay attention. And can PPG continue to paint a pretty picture as the economy reopens worldwide? I'm talking with the CEO of one dynamite industrial. Stay with Craig. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. What do we do when a, a, a company the market's lost interest in reports what I think is an incredible quarter? I'm talking about Qualtrics International, the experienced management software play that was spun off by SAP earlier this year. Unfortunately, that was bad timing, as the formerly red-hot cloud software cohort suddenly went out of style in the Wall Street fashion show. Qualtrics started trading at $41.85 in January before jumping to the mid-50s in early February. But since then, though, the stock's been hammered. It's tumbling to 33 bucks and change before 
the number that I just saw after the close. See, in the last few weeks, the other cloud plays have bounced off their lows, but this one's only up a couple of bucks, which brings us to tonight's quarter. Qualtrics reported an excellent set of results, a solid top and bottom line beat with a surprise profit, not to mention better than expected outlook for both the next quarter and the full year. In fact, management raised guidance for 2021, even though they only gave us that initial forecast six weeks ago. That means they're either consummate practitioners of under-promise and over-deliver, or business has improved dramatically in a very short period of time. And they're doing a great job. Let's take a closer look with Ryan Smith, the founder and executive chairman of Qualtrics, and Zig Serafin. He's the CEO. Gentlemen, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, thanks, Jim, for having us on. All right. This is uh, Zig. This is a very big upside surprise, a profit. I wasn't looking for one. You got accelerated revenue growth. What is going on in your business that has just caught fire? Well, Jim, you got it right. This was a record quarter for us, uh, and it's a powerful start to our fiscal year. It's 46% year-over-year subscription revenue growth, 35% year-over-year growth in customer spending. They're over 100000 a year. Uh, we got 120% net retention. Every customer, on average, that means is spending about 20% more with Qualtrics every single year. And what we're seeing in these results is that Qualtrics has never been more relevant or impactful it's becoming critical to the way that businesses are running. In fact, it's critical as a CRM system or an HR system. We've got about a 10-year head start on this market, and we're seeing significant opportunity in ahead. And that's partly because what we're doing is we're giving customers the ability to be able to understand what their customers and their employees are telling them about their company, their brand, how to analyze that data, and then use workflows and take action right from our platform. So you can then retain and engage your employees. You can find new customers. You can keep the ones that they have for life. And we've built a single, secure, cloud-native experience management platform to be able to do that. That's what's driving these results, Jim. All right. So, Ryan, let's talk about uh, – let's drill down a little bit. Uh, there is a problem in this country. we got a vaccine – vaccines that work. Uh, got to get more people vaccinated. Uh, people don't know – governments don't know how to make it that, – that's not their job. But the state of Missouri has turned to Qualtrics to try to fix their problem. How does that work? Yeah, I mean, it's really bringing the the constituent into the room. And this is no different whether it's a state and local government or it's a CEO. Leaders need to lead right now. And there's no real ability to read the room. Employees aren't working. Um, There's no playbook on how to do this. Uh, Customers, they're not able to go have customer visits. It's the same way with politicians. It's the same way with governments. They can't just pull everyone together. Well, that's where Qualtrics comes into play, where they're actually able to understand the hearts and minds of their people and 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 to transform every single business, every single organization, and then get the data back and take action on it. Great example of that 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 really sticks out to me right now is Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines. I mean, they're they're a customer that we've had for some time that, that has really, you know, expanded the Qualtrics use when their business went from truly zero, from 100% occupancy to zero. And there's no data that existed for them, Jim, to to really go and figure out, hey, how do we get back? So they, they have to design the experience from here going forward. That's no different than the state of Missouri. Like the way that they used to or could have rolled something out like this from a vaccine standpoint um, is out the window. They've got to say, hey, look, this is the world we're in now. We've got the majority of people or half the people that want to go get vaccinated. What about the folks in rural areas? What about the folks who maybe might not have the right information? Well, Qualtrics is able to bring all that data back and tell them exactly how to go forward. Well, look, both of those are so important. And Richard Fain, friend of the show, Royal Caribbean, 
Uh, we want them to be able to to we want customers want them. I hope the CDC listens to what you just said, because they're going to do it right. They are a very understanding company. So, uh, Zig, United Parcel, we happen to think the world of Carol Tomei. We thought she was fabulous as the CFO when she was at Home Depot. She's doing an amazing job with just the stock at, U- at United Parcel. What are you doing for United Parcel? Because the stock has caught fire, and it's not just as much as I love Carol, you guys are playing a role. Yeah, let, let me let me tell you a little bit about UPS just shows Qualtrics and uh, you've got an amazing CEO in Carol Tomei that she's been on your show and she's obviously leading the world's leader in package delivery supply chain management solution. There's a great quote from Carol. She says, I learned that the answer to really all of the strategic questions facing a company can be found in listening. And their strategy is all about experience transformation, being customer first, people led and then building on their strong workplace culture that they have. So UPS is leaning in to the new customer experience and saying, hey, we want to be better, not bigger. We want to serve the customers in the way that they want to be served. We want to use this to be able to then shape their operations and their logistics. So, you know, here's an example of another leader. It's UPS. It's choosing Qualtrics for their experience, for their experience transformation. And what Carol's doing is it's exactly that. We're taking action on critical customer and employee experiences globally based on the Qualtrics platform. I want to comment one more thing on Missouri, just as a quick thing, which is, you know, what we're doing is we're tapping into the hearts and minds of people. We're addressing that last mile. And um, especially Dr. Fauci has been talking about that last mile. It's like, how do you turn vaccines into vaccinations? So just building what Ryan had, we're actually, we have about 200 state and local county governments that are using Qualtrics to be able to come in at it and say, there's a resident first experience by understanding the hearts and minds of people and then turn vaccines into vaccinations because there's plenty of supply that's being available. But that last mile is extremely important. That's where Qualtrics comes in. Now, I, I think that's brilliant because that is the people don't talk about that. I mean, when we hear uh, the president talk about how they we got to get more people vaccinated, but they don't seem to understand that there is an experience involved. Now, Zig, how do you even get you know, there are people who are frankly doing this job and it's not what they were uh, it, it's not what they were hired for, and it's not what they thought they were getting into. How do you get their buy-in? Uh, their buy-in on vaccines or on customer experience? On oh, customer experience. They're, they're not customer-facing yeah. people in a lot of cases. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like, like most, most people are saying they want to be customer experience-led, but it's hard, especially nowadays, when you don't have all the customers in front of you. You want to be able to connect people, understand people's emotions, their perceptions, um, what are their preferences? So if you walk into a store, people want to be able to be known and know that you're going to get taken care of, that the employees engaged to be able to delight you in that moment that matters. And so what we do is we help to actually bring together every moment that you end up interacting with with a company or a, or a store or a, or a restaurant, for example, and be able to help to be able to understand people's emotions, understand their preferences. And we help to automate that in the way that the company operates. So that might lead to designing the next generation product that helps you to be able to lead your market, as an example. Or it might mean just doing a good job the next time the customer comes in and does business with you and exceeding their expectations. So we help companies do that at scale. 
Wow. Well, look, uh, uh, Ryan and Zig, the stock is is correct, is correctly going higher. This is the last of the inexpensive major cloud plays. And it's inexpensive because of all the business you guys are doing now. Congratulations on an unbelievably good quarter versus what people are looking for. And the beginning of what I think is the knowledge of what qual- of how powerful Qualtrics is. So I want to thank Ryan Smith and Zig Sargon for coming on the show. Uh, wow. We found one that can still be bought. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Jim, for having us on. Uh, Qualtrics is, after this quarter, what I call an inexpensive stock that looked expensive. And I suggest that if you want a a tech play, this might be the one. Stick with Kramer. The 5G race is heating up on the heels of a $10 billion acquisition. Could this 5G play marvel investors with its growth prospects? Kramer's chipping away at the deal with Marvell Technologies CEO. Next. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Roaring higher last year, one of our favorite semiconductor stocks has spent the last five months stalled out. I'm talking about Marvell Tech, which makes chips for networking, communications, and storage. Think 5G, the cloud data center. We bought this thing for the Charitable Trust way back in August of 2019. We're now up 107%. But two things happened last fall that have put this stock into stasis. First, we've seen a rotation out of 2020's biggest winners, although most of the semiconductor plays have held up pretty well thanks to the chip shortage. And boy, the semiconductor equipment companies, ugh, Teradata, glam, my God. Second, though, last October, Marvell announced a major acquisition buying Infi in a cash and stock deal. And big stock for stock transactions tend to wear your share price. But last night, Marvell closed on that Infi acquisition, which gets rid of the arm pressure. Now we can focus on the fundamentals again. So could this stock be ready to roll? Today's new only 4% gain. Now, I'm telling you, that's a great start, right? Last night, we got a chance to speak with Matt Murphy, the president and CEO of Marvell Technology Group. Take a look. Matt, welcome back to the show. Jim, how are you? All right. So, Matt, why don't you give us a description of what the new Marvell looks like? Because I think it's much more attractive than even the old Marvell. It really is, Jim. I think the new Marvell is probably one of the most exciting semiconductor companies in the world. When you look at the biggest trends in the market for the next five to 10 years, I think the 5G build out is going to be huge. Uh, the move to cloud data centers is, uh, is a trend that's irreversible and it's going to continue. And finally, um, there's a whole new revolution going on in automotive. Marvell is involved in all three of those key secular growth drivers for the semiconductor industry. And we're a leader in each of those segments. So, Matt, as soon as people hear automotive, uh, up until about six months ago, that meant fantastic. Now people hear automotive and they say chip shortage. You do talk about supply constraints on the March 3rd conference call. What do we say about chip shortage, therefore don't own Marvell? Right. Yeah, Jim, I think the whole industry is going through a pretty unprecedented um, supply and demand imbalance. Uh, I've been doing this for 27 years. I've been through every major cycle since 1994. Uh, This one is very significant in terms of its impact. Uh, We're managing it pretty well. If you look at calendar 20, we actually grew every quarter, quarter over quarter. 
through the year, we did not have a, a dip due to COVID. We were able to supply all our customers. And if you look out even into our Q1, we guided the company to grow 15% year over year. So while the shortages have been persistent across the industry, we've been able to keep up and grow our company through this cycle. And we believe we're going to grow the company all through 2021 as well. But, but clearly, this is weighing on a number of end markets, not just automotive. But, Matt, it is true that a lot of your uh, companies in your industry, basically the sales are lost. I look at your past, your mosaic, and I think that those sales are just delayed. They're not lost. Correct. Yeah. If you look at our product mix, Jim, almost all of our business is proprietary sole source product. These are system on chip products. They're the heart and the engines of every major application that, that we're in. And um, so while while there may be, you know, uh, delays in ramping production, those sales for us are not not lost because those parts are not replaceable. And in some cases, our customers can get supply from Marvell, but they can't get the supply from from other vendors that might be having uh, uh, their own supply issues. All right. Now, one time I was worried a bit about. Marvell and China because of United States friction. But obviously, the uh, People's Republic said yes to the uh, to the uh, IPHI uh, deal. And then more importantly, Samsung is probably, I think, the number one client in the world right now. And that is your partner on advanced 5G networks. How is that partnership, which was announced March 25, going? Yeah, well, if you start with the first one. Uh, we're thrilled to have gotten uh, approval uh, from from China uh, back in March, about a month ago. Uh, that was, uh, uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, I, I think ahead of a lot of people's expectations. The primary reason, if you're interested as to why, is it's a very clean deal. And there was overwhelming support from all of our customers globally, including in China, that really saw the combination of Marvell and Infi is taking two very good companies, putting them together and making them even more uh, viable and strong. And as a result, you know, uh, it was a very, um, a very smooth process to get approval. And I'm thrilled, as you mentioned earlier, that we are able to close the transaction today. Um, as it relates to Samsung, you know, they've been a long-term partner of ours. Um, we are uh, a key um, supplier to them and partner for them in their, their 5G networks uh, products. And we've uh, only continued to grow that partnership. And as you mentioned, we recently announced that we were moving into the radio head, which is where there's additional content that Mar- Marvell is pursuing. And we actually announced that we did a system on ship product for them that reduced their power consumption by 70% versus the prior generation they were using. And that's huge when you think about the upcoming uh, 5G buildouts that are going to be happening right here in North America. Well, when, when I see the Marvel sta- uh, Marvel standalone, 9% confidential growth, uh, Marvel and, and Infight uh, combined, I got a 12%. Can't we uh, come back and uh, start the buyback again? Yeah, I think I think uh, certainly first things first, we, we see the, the growth rate of the combined company as being very, very strong. Actually, those numbers of 10 to 12%, that's what we think the market can grow that we're in. And based on the combined company portfolio, we think we can grow even faster than the market. So actually, at our investor day, we articulated and also as part of the infight combination, you know, growth rates more on the 15 percent plus a year rate, which at our size is uh, quite significant. And then to to do the transaction, as you mentioned earlier, it's a combination of cash and uh, and stock. And so first things first is we're we're taking on some debt as part of the transaction. So we're going to pay that down. 
and then certainly be very, uh, very mindful of the buybacks uh, when it's appropriate. Well, look, Matt, I think the combination is fantastic. I am hoping that your natural conservatism, because who knows what's going to happen with the supply chain, isn't uh, doesn't penalize you. A lot of these other guys made projections they can't meet. And you never did that. So I think our uh, shareholders greatly appreciate your candor doing the right thing. And congratulations on the close of the deal. Yeah, thank you, Jim. Really appreciate it. Okay, that's Matt Murphy. He's president and CEO of Marvell Technology, MRVL. Guys, this one does have the best product portfolio, and it's got what I think is the most sticky collection of customers, which is what really matters. Stick with Kramer. Coming up, can this company be a coat of armor for your portfolio? Kramer paints a masterpiece with PPG next. I keep telling you, 2021 belongs to the cyclicals, the companies that can put up huge year-over-year earnings growth in a rapidly expanding economy. Companies like PPG, the Pittsburgh-based specialty chemical play that makes all sorts of paints and coatings. Late last week, PPG reported a magnificent quarter, a monster 31-cent earnings beat off a $1.57 basis with higher-than-expected sales and terrific guidance. Though the stock was already up 7% for the year, it exploded higher, jumping 9% last Friday, and it hasn't looked back since with another nearly 3% gain today. Even after this move, PPG sells for just 21 times this year's earnings estimates. And I think there's a good chance those estimates are too low. Company sales volumes still haven't recovered to where they were before the pandemic, but their earnings were up 27% for the first quarter uh, of 2019. And by the way, 2019 was a boom year, remember? That's the last comparable period before COVID hit. I'm betting that means they're going to have a fabulous year. Do not take it from me. Let's check in with Michael McGarry. He is the chairman and CEO of PPG to get a better read on the quarter and where his company's headed. Mr. McGarry, welcome back to May money. Hey, thanks, Jim. It's great to be back. Well, Michael, these are extraordinary numbers, and it seems like every single one of the acquisitions you've made has really made the numbers even better. Can you tell people about what you're doing acquisition-wise and why it's been so great for PPG? Well, Jim, as you know, we acquire a lot of companies. This is our sweet spot for us. For the coatings industry, when you acquire, you get synergies right off the get-go with no cost, like raw materials. We buy raw materials cheaper than the companies we acquire. We have cross-selling opportunities. We are able to move things into our uh, shared service facilities. That's also a benefit. And uh, we're able to help them uh, look at their management techniques and grow their business. And these have really helped out for us. So we've done six acquisitions in the past uh, 18 months. You know, we don't buy everything we look at. There's a lot more out there that we pass on. We're selective. But uh, these are better than buying back stock for us. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you about. I was talking with uh, my friend Frank Mitch, I've known for years, and we were saying that why don't more companies do what you do? Why do they just buy back stock and think that that's necessarily additive? When you're going around the globe, you're going to Finland, you're going to Germany, you're finding these incredible acquisitions that fit in perfectly that make PPG a faster-growing company than a competition and with much better earnings growth. Yeah, so as you know, um, and Frank knows as well, when we buy companies, especially in the most recent ones we bought in Europe, they don't have the presence we have in uh, China, and they don't have the presence we have in Asia. So we're able to take their products and their approvals with the German OEMs and with other German manufacturers, and we're able to grow faster in China because we have already the relationships, we have the plants, 
and we have the ability to take it to other countries. So if people are moving out of China, we're able to set them up in Vietnam. We have facilities there. So we're able to turbocharge this. And, you know, quite frankly, we're very good at this. Well, you know, I'm watching tonight another one that that is uh, you guys do all the appliances. Whirlpool just reported a great number. Once again, when people look at what a Whirlpool machine looks like, that's actually PPG. Yes. In fact, uh, you know, you start with the coil that goes into making that appliance. That's ours. The powder coatings that goes onto that, that's ours. We have a great relationship with the appliance guys. Our appliance business was up 14% last quarter, but it's not just appliances. Our electronic materials business, so think about all this work from home stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, any computer monitor, any keyboards, uh, you know, headsets, you name it, all have paint on them. And uh, our electronic materials business is up. Our kitchen bakeware business, nobody thinks about PPG, but that's, that's an other area. People cooking from home, that's up. We have a lot of things that are on fire right now. Oh, yeah, Michael, people apparently love to lose money betting on any part of electronic vehicles. All these SPACs are electronic <laughs> vehicles. You actually make money in, uh, in batteries. And if you could tell people that, maybe they'll stop losing money and start making money. Well, electronic vehicles, and now we're not talking hybrids now. We're talking pure electronic right. vehicles are really good for us. So you think about the battery box that's underneath the car. That's additional paint. To seal that battery box, it takes adhesives and sealants. We're into that. On the inside of the battery box, you need protective coatings. You know, for those guys, they have what they call thermal events. We call fires. We don't like that. In China, they have a new standard that you have to have five minutes to exit the vehicle after an accident. We make those protective coatings. And then we make uh, thermal gap fillers so that you could separate the battery from the box so it doesn't short out. And then there are other things that we're working on long term for binders and uh, cathodes and things like that. So we're really intensely involved in that. We're really excited about our performance in that area. And virtually every month there's a new win. And as the new electric battery plants get online, their biggest thing is going to be driving down costs. And they're going to come to us and say, how can we get our lines to move faster? And we're going to help them do that. At the same time, uh, you're one of the few companies that saw the commodity increases coming. And you were able to put through what you called surgical price increases. Are you still able, able to stay ahead of the posse on some of these things? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we'd like to be further ahead, but we've had 16 quarters in a row of positive price. We had 1.6% positive price in Q1. We knew inflation was coming. We're going to have more positive price in Q2 and Q3. You know, we have to catch up, so Q2 will be a little bit short, but we're going to you know, be at a better place in Q3. But the guidance we gave is significantly where the street thought we would be because we're, we had anticipated this, and the team is doing a very good job in this regard. Then finally, uh, autos, we've got some problems with chips and shortage. Uh, obviously, aerospace, there's some issues with, with Boeing. But your auto and your aerospace business are incredibly strong. How is that possible? Well, with autos, as you know, we have some really great technology, and every year we've been able to grow share in that. So the last several quarters, we've been growing much faster than the industry, so that helps. Then you have the electric vehicles. That helps. And as far as uh, aerospace, it's not anywhere near where we want it to be, but don't forget a third of our business is military, and we have the uh, number one leading position on the F-35, whether it's the canopy, whether it's the link winglet, classified defense products on that uh, machine. So we're in really good shape. And so as they make more F-35, that's good for us. MRO in the uh, aerospace business is coming back. You know, I don't anticipate OEM to come back uh, until 2023, but we're in really good shape. And think about the momentum in the company. 
And aerospace is one of our best businesses. So when it starts clicking, you know, we'll be at even a higher level. Wow. Look, it is really working for you guys, and it's going to get even better and better. Michael McGarry, Chairman CEO of PPG, congratulations on just an amazing quarter and year. And it's great to see you. Thank you very much, Jim. That's Michael McGarry, Chairman CEO of PPG. I keep talking about these industrials, okay? This is the kind of industrial that I am talking about. It's what you should have in, not all this stuff that is necessarily just created by some sort of SPAC. This is a real company with real earnings and real growth. Man Money's back into the break. Stick around. Man, make a suggestion. I would stay with Kramer. The Lightning Round is coming up next. <laughs> it is time. It is time for the Lightning Round. We play until we hear this sound. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dad over the lightning round. Can you start with Jeff in Pennsylvania? Jeff! Hey, Jim. My question is on snap symbol SNAT. And my answer is... Bye, bye, bye. I think we're going to have a great quarter bye, and bye, have bye. tremendous growth. And they've got religion about trying to get good customers. Uh, advertisers. Let's go to Sam in Massachusetts. Sam! Hey, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. Uh, I'm very happy uh, member of the Action Alerts Plus Club. Yes, uh, we had a good one tonight in Crown Castle. What's going on? Oh, geez, you know, it's, yeah, I'm sorry to say I got impatient. But anyway. Um, Fair enough. And um, But uh, you and your team, uh, team at Bad Money and Action Alerts Plus, I get so much information from you guys. Just thank you so much. Oh, uh, you're welcome. And we live for this call. We live for this, Sam. Thank you. I could t- I could listen to you guys talk about stocks I own all day long. What's well, all I ever do? Well, yeah, I talk about it in my sleep. I don't like to sleep, so it's okay. So let's make money together. What do we got? Well, I stepped outside the reservation a little bit. It took me a couple of weeks to decide, but I finally decided on a stock that was getting beat up a little bit, and today it had a great day. Can I buy it on the dips? It's Regal Bubble. That company is fantastic. Okay, I don't talk about it enough. It's pumps. It's like Dover. Dover. Dover just reported a great number last night. I don't know how you stumble on this one, Sam, but this is a fantastic educational stock, and I'm going to have to profile myself. And thank you for being a member of ActionLordsPlus.com. Let's go to Chris in California. Chris! Hello, Mr. Kramer. Hey, Chris. This how you doing? Chris from California. Okay. I'd like to ask for your advice to hold or sell my stock. The company acquired Luminous for $1.1 billion last month, and it went up to 52-week high today. Is there more room on the upside? Please share your thoughts on my stock, Boston Scientific, BSF. Oh, wow. Well, this is device day. Boston Scientific was great. Intuitive Surgical was great. We saw every single device play was great, and this one at Bruce Life Sciences was great. Medtronic, don't pronounce it with an S. There is no Medtronics. It's Medtronic. So I think you're with a great company, BSX. You said hold or sell. I actually am still inclined to. Bye, bye, bye. Let's go to Cashol in Pennsylvania. Cashol. Hey, big booyah, Jim. How are you? Booyah right back, says the chill. What's happening? Hey, before I ask my uh, investment question, I wanted to thank you personally for bringing attention to migraines, man. You're right. It's just not a headache, you know, with yeah. 
people I, that suffer with migraines. So I, I, I got a gala I'm running that. tonight, and uh, yeah, I mean, I you know whether it be Neurotech, whether it be Amavit, whatever, we've got some great drugs. Nobody seems to know about them. At med school, they spend about a half hour on migraine. Thank you for uh, bringing uh, my work to, to light. I really appreciate it. How are we doing? What no, are we doing stock-wise? So, my question is on Cleveland Cliff going into earnings and for the rest of the year. What are your thoughts? Th- this is, look, the Chinese are spending everything they can on what Cleveland Cliffs has, which is iron I think Cleveland Cliffs is a very undervalued stock. I, I have to tell you, i got to get that CEO back on. He, he turned out to be a true gem. CLF is a winner for me. Uh, I, I just think it's just a great, really, really heavy cyclical. And, and oh, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up. This 19th century innovation could make you money today. Kramer's got a lesson in locomotion. Next. Kramer, you are super. You are awesome. I'm a first-time investor. Thank you for inspiring me to get in the game. Your show is the best. I am so glad you're on TV. I want you to know that you have transformed me. Thank you, Kramer. that the stock market's dangerous, it's too expensive, that there's no real value to be found. And we are on a one-way ticket, yes, to the danger zone. Believe me, I get it. There are plenty of reasons you might think we're in an asset bubble. A Dogecoin, a joke cryptocurrency based on a joke meme, has gone from less than a tenth of a cent of a few months ago to 30 cents now. It feels like we're still getting a new SPAC every minute. All kinds of celebrities cashing in. People are pouring ridiculous sums of money into these non-fungible tokens. And as far as I can tell, they're getting nothing for it. But every time I start to worry about the craziness, we get a reminder that maybe stocks are a lot less expensive than you think, at least in terms of what other companies are willing to pay for the whole enterprise, even if you won't. Yesterday morning, Kansas City Southern, the last remaining railroad that's small enough to be a takeover target, got a bid from Canadian National. For $325 per share, or $33.7 billion. $33.7. I mean, that would be a big deal in itself. Stock surged 15%. But what matters even more is that we've got a genuine bidding war in our hands. See, last month, Canadian National's smaller rival, Canadian Pacific, offered to buy Kansas City Southern for $25 billion. Listen, six months ago, this stock was trading at $182, doing pretty well. Kansas City Southern is a good company with some terrific roots in Mexico. People don't understand how crucial Mexico has become to the auto industry. And cars are shipped by rail. I have a business in Mexico, and I'm always shocked that you have cities like Puebla or San Luis Potosi that are like Detroit during its heyday. Puebla has a Volkswagen plant that stretches for 740 acres. It makes nearly all of the cars that they export to the U.S. Almost every automaker has a big factory in Mexico because it's cheaper to make cars down there. And thanks to NAFTA, there aren't many import restrictions. Even when Trump renegotiated NAFTA to be more favorable to U.S. manufacturing, that dynamic didn't fundamentally change. Those Mexican-made cars have to travel by rail. Shipping them by truck is way too expensive. And whoever buys Kansas City Southern gets to own that market. By the way, I think this whole business is worth more under Biden than it was under Trump because Biden's more of a free trader. 
And it's not just cars. Take a look at Kansas City Southern's exposure to the Gulf of Mexico. If you go to the site, they've got all the routes. And, and the Gulf of Mexico area is probably the most booming part of the U.S. economy. They're teaming up with plants that make plastics and all sorts of industrial gases. Like the auto market, this business is on fire. And it's much more efficient to ship that kind of stuff by rail. Yet the market clearly had this one completely wrong. Otherwise, you wouldn't have gotten not one but two huge takeover bids. That tells you Kansas City Southern was massively undervalued before the first offer from Canadian Pacific. And yeah, I think the other railroad operators have a better handle on what KSU is worth than Wall Street does. Of course, that doesn't mean every company's a bargain. Some of them are too big to be acquired. Some of them are truly too expensive. Some of them won't be allowed to make deals because of antitrust concerns. For example, Union Pacific, which my chapel trust owns and I think is great, would make a fortune if it could buy Norfolk Southern, but the regulators would never let that deal happen, just like if Bank of America can't buy J.P. Morgan. Too much power concentration. Of course, you can't blame the rails for having the urge to merge. Last night, CSX, the big Southeast Railroad, reported an okay quarter, but then guided up double digits, something it hasn't done since 2011, and it ignited the whole group. There are plenty of companies like Kansas City Southern out there. So remember, this deal, you've got to think about it the next time you hear someone whining about how stocks are too pricey. Sometimes companies in the same industry are willing to pay a lot more for a stock than the market is. I regard that as a very encouraging sign. So don't be discouraged when so many people insist on buying things that you think may have no value at all. I like to say there's always a bull market summer, and I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.